brought to you by Integra Vita Wellness. Here is certified health coach A. Gregory Luna with Confessions of an Obese Child. Hey, everybody, this is A. Gregory Luna. You can call me Gregory. Welcoming you back to Confessions of an Obese Child. This is going to be confession number three, the invisible student. I had superpowers where I could be invisible like Harry Potter. Though I can't say I know anything about Harry Potter because that was way before or way after my time. But I think he wore some cap or something. When I think of Invisible, I think more of the classic Clash of the Titans movie from the early 80s with Mark Hamill as Perseus, and he kills Medusa. I had such a crush on the actress who played Andromeda, Judy Balker. She was this obscure British actress. Oh, she was so beautiful. Anyways, he he was given a helmet that made him turn invisible, and that's what I think of. But oh man, I'm thinking about Judy Balker in that movie. That, that that had such bad graphics. I think the most classic scene is he's fighting uh, scorpions, and of course he freezes the kraken with the head of Medusa. But yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. So the invisible student. Anyway, so uh, this is Gregory from IntegraVita.com. IntegraVita. That is like integral. Take off the L, and then throw on a V I T A. One word, it means whole life. And that's what I, we're hoping to bring to you, a whole life, whole mind, whole body, wellness, integrity to wellness. I am a certified health coach. I like to help you achieve your goals the best that I can. So contact me. You can reach me at that website. Yes, yeah, so this is number three, the invisible students. As you can tell, I'm, I'm running out of things to talk about, and it's very early on. So it is in early February... When I'm recording this, the Super Bowl is upcoming. It's Falcons versus Patriots. Now, I have to admit, I have no problems rooting for the Patriots. I know the Patriots, a lot of haters out there on the Patriots. And I kind of get it because you don't want to reward success. I totally get that. But at the same time, how can you not respect a team that has been consistent and good for so long? Now, what I will hear back as the typical retort is that they're cheaters. Well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Brady maybe deflated the balls, but honestly, they were up, what, 35-3 to in that playoff game, so I, don't, I really don't think it made a difference. And yes, I know they were caught recording the Jets four or five years ago, but I'm not a Pollyanna. I really think most teams cheat, and just the Patriots are not well-liked because they do so well. So I don't. another reason people hate Brady is because he's married to a supermodel. They think his life is easy. Well, you know, I mean, how petty and jealous and envious are you if you're hating somebody who's married to a supermodel? Look, he's worked hard. If you know anything, he was a six-round pick, and he worked his way in, and he took advantage of an injury of, of Drew Bledsoe back in 2001, and then he took his team to the Super Bowl, and they won it. So, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with him. I think he's a pretty upstanding guy. He seems like pretty normal. It's kind of boring that when you hear him on the interviews. But, yeah, so why not? The Falcons, you know, no attachments. What I really wanted to see was a Super Bowl of, like, classic dynasties. Like, I wanted to see, like, a Steeler versus Patriots or a Packer versus Patriots. Because 
The Cowboys, even though I detest the Cowboys because I'm from Houston, the Raiders, the Packers, the Broncos, they have national following. So you'd like to see those kind of dynastic teams. The Falcons, honestly, nobody cares about the Falcons you know, unless you live in the South. So the Falcons is just like, meh. So some people are like, yeah, just let them win it because we hate the Patriots. Let's let somebody new win it. But no, I like the Patriots. Behind the Texans, I have no problem with the Patriots at all. So that is my sports take for the month. I like football. I love soccer more. I like European soccer. But I do like football. And I do like fantasy football, too. I am a commissioner for a couple of leagues. I did decent this year. I think I got to the semis in one, and the other one I lost in the quarters. But anyway, you are not here to hear me talk about football. I know you are here to hear me read verbatim my confessions which of course you could just read on your own. But I know some of you are auditory and some of you are in your car. Like I'm a podcast junkie. I listen to podcasts all the time and I listen to them in my car or if I'm taking a walk or whatever. I'm not big into reading. I'm not big into social media. I don't like looking at screens. So podcasts are the way for me to go. Um, social media to me, like I, I tell the students all the time, it's just like, oh, it just sucks up your time. And there's just so many studies showing that it's bad for you. But anyways, before I begin, a reminder, if you would like to be interviewed by me, if you're formerly overweight or currently overweight and you feel comfortable enough to talk to the five people that are subscribed to this podcast, please contact me, reach out to me. I think it'd be fun. Uh, I like talking, but I would rather talk to another person and share my experiences because that's the whole point. I want to reach out and find other people who've gone through what I've gone through. And if you're one of those, it's like, well, I, I'm, I'm still overweight and you're lucky you lost your weight and it's not the same and it's harder to have been skinny in high school and then gain weight as an adult and see your perfect body go away. I, I, I understand that and let's have that conversation, but let's just have a conversation. So please contact me. And if you're interested in health coaching, if, you, if you're overweight or unhealthy and you want to get in shape, I typically adhere to a paleo lifestyle. If you don't know what paleo is, you can go to my website or you can just Google paleo and find tons of hits. But it's essentially eating like uh, the prehistoric man did. So if if God didn't make it, don't eat it. That's my catchphrase. Don't steal that. It's on one of my one of my articles. So if God God didn't make Twinkies, God didn't make crackers, God didn't make bread. So essentially, you eat nuts, seeds, you know, fruits and vegetables, and a lot of meat because they come in its natural state. Yes. And if I was true paleo, I wouldn't eat dark chocolate because that is processed, and I'm not big into eating cacao. I don't think anyone eats cacao. Cocoa nibs, maybe. Baker's chocolate, 100% dark chocolate. That stuff is nasty. And I love 90. I can go 90 all day. But 100, ugh. And that is like, you're like a masochist if you like that stuff. But, you know, teaches on. Anyway. Let's begin. Confessions of an obese child. Number two, the invisible student. When you're an overweight child, there's nothing more than you want to be invisible. Out of sight, out of mind would be the best slogan for this mentality. For if the kids don't see you, they won't be as apt to ridicule you. The best example is class participation. Simply put, I would not volunteer to talk in class. Why would I if it gives anyone an excuse to make a remark? Now, straight out. Obese people don't have the monopoly on not wanting to be called on. I think everybody, aside from the Hermione Granger, look at that, two Harry Potter references. 
the ooh, 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 ooh types don't like to be called on. Okay. But again, I'm talking about what I know, right? Right what you know. So fat people, we didn't like to be called on. We don't, even if we know the answer. Now, some overweight people will overcompensate and be really smart and be a know-it-all because they think if they know more and participate more, they'll get more respect in the class. But come on, that doesn't work. If anything, no one really likes the know-it-alls. So typically, fat people would go to being you know, the jokesters, which we'll talk about later. I'll, I'll do a blog on that. Naturally, though, I'd be called on in class because everybody's called on. Many times in elementary school, if I was called in grammar class, yes, grammar, back then, or I was just called, I didn't go to school in 1824. This was back in the 80s. Uh, I went to a Catholic school, and so they had called it grammar class. Because believe it or not, back then they actually cared about punctuation and spelling and tenses and objects of the preposition and diagramming, all that stuff. I mean, it, it is amazing when I read my students' work how bad they are in the aforementioned. Just horrible. And I, I can't necessarily blame them completely because, you know, it's that kind of, uh, I forgot what they call it, where they just want kids to write and not worry about grammar. But, ooh, it's just so unnerving. And I know the mentality is we'll spell check, we'll check everything, but... Mm. You are judged by how you speak and how you dress. And so if you're articulate, people typically think you're more intelligent, even if it's not true. So many times I was called in grammar, and I would hear the occasional snicker or hey, hey, hey. So go back to episode two if you don't know what that is. But as soon as the next person was called on, it would dissipate. The worst case was class participation, where I had to go to the board. I absolutely dreaded speeches, diagramming sentences, or math problems. I don't even know if they do diagramming sentences anymore. I don't know. I mean, my oldest is, is in kindergarten, so I guess I'll find out in a few years. But speeches, woo. Why did I hate going in front of the class? Well, because unlike sitting in your desk being asked to choose between we or us in a sentence, the class was expected to focus on the person in front of them. So all eyes were on me for several minutes, and I felt them. So in case someone had forgotten about me or what I looked like, they had plenty of time to assess my rolls of fat, my outdated clothes, and the sweat dripping from my brow. Yeah, comment on a couple of things here. Um, outdated clothes, yeah, when you're fat, you got to go big and big and tall. And big and tall is not going to be Abercrombie and Fitch. And I don't even honestly know if that's fashionable right now with these kids, but it's not J. Crew or something like that. I remember distinctly my first communion, which happens in the Catholic world when you're about seven. Everyone dressed up in suits. The girls dressed up in white dresses, like they're getting married to Jesus or something. And I came in this big, bright red shirt and navy pants. And if you look at my communion picture, I stick out because everyone else is in black and white. I'm in this bright red shirt way to the side. Like I must have smelled and no one wanted to stand next to me. But yeah, not the most fashionable clothes. The sweatiness would elicit even more snickers and laughs. On some occasions, the teachers would have me sit down to avoid the prolonged embarrassment. Others didn't. I really didn't know which one was best. And I, I really didn't. So, and, and this is something I'm going to mention in a second. But yeah, you go up there, you know people are looking at you, or you think in your head they are. Half the time they don't really care, probably. But at the time, you think they're looking at you, and you start sweating. And of course, they'll start noticing the sweating if you're in front of the class. 
and you'll notice that your shirt getting sweaty and all that, which makes it worse. So I don't know. Some teachers would be like, okay, you know, Albert, you can go back to your seat. Others would be like, you suck it up. And so maybe those are, that was the better route because it, I couldn't develop a crutch. You know, I just had to suck it up, even though it was going to be hard. I don't know which one was better, but either way, I didn't like it. After it was done, I would sulk back to my desk, which was hopefully in the back of the class, and try to calm myself. And that was day in, day out. I remember I had a priest at the Catholic high school I went to, Father Leininger, and he would make us do math problems on the board, and he would petrify you. He was dressed like Darth Vader, and he was like 80 years old. And he would do whatever problem on the board, and then he would go to the back, and he would just stand there for like four minutes. And it was understood that you could not turn around to see where he was. You just had to look straight, hands folded on the desk, and then he would say somebody's last name. He'd be like, Morris, go to the board. And then you would go up there sheepishly, and then, then he'd be like, solve this problem. X squared minus 2 x blah, 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 some, some math stuff. And so everyone's petrified. So, of course, inevitably it would be, Luna, go to the board. So I go up there, and I'm all sweating and all nervous, and you can't turn around. You know, you got to look at the board. It's like soup Nazi from Seinfeld. It really is. Everything's codified, and if you veer from that, no soup for you. I mean, honestly, that's how it was. So you just got to wait for your problem and try to solve it really quickly. But I had good memories of him despite that. He was, he was a unique priest. He was great. Let's resume. Even in my post-weight loss years, I had problems with public venues. Most of my college years, I was okay. But in the last couple of years of college, I began to have sweat attacks in class. Now, for those of you who haven't read my uh, my story on the, on, the, on the website, I lost my weight my senior year in high school. And there's a story behind that too, but let me endeavor to stay on point here. So my final couple years in, in college, I uh, had these weird sweat attacks. It was, it, was, it was just peculiar. So I'd go into class, whatever class it was, and I'd sit down and then I just start sweating. I mean, I could be in the back of the class, in the middle of the class, and I would just start sweating. And then I was like, oh my God, people are noticing me. People are noticing, oh my God, oh my God, that girl that I kind of like, who I would never tell them that I like, probably notices. So I start sweating a little, sweating a little. And so then I would leave class, you know, and you didn't need permission to leave class in college. So then I would go to the bathroom and then pat myself and calm down and breathe and try to get as many paper towels to take with me and to, and to pad down my armpits and, and everything. And then I'd try to go back in class, and then many times it would just keep going on. And I had this problem for like two years. And I would have people comment on it, and some didn't. You know, I think more of them were commenting on me leaving all the time than me just uh, sweating. I, I suppose I should have asked the professors if I could just sit in the back of the class. That probably would have been better. But I didn't. And so this, this was an issue. This was an issue. So I had this with social events as well. I would go to, um, I was on a fraternity. I was asked to join one, but I didn't. Because again, th this is one of the issues with being overweight. At this point, I was I was not overweight, but I felt like an overweight guy in a thin person's body. And one of the more popular fraternities asked me to be in there. And I had that mentality of, I don't want to buy my friends. I don't want to have to pay dues to be friends. But I was just angry and hurt because those types of guys who were in that fraternity were the types of guys that used to make fun of me and berate me and do horrible things that you're going to read about in the next couple of confessions. So I was thinking, like, why do I want to be with these guys? They're D-bags. I really should change my, my podcast to explicit so I can cuss because I naturally do cuss. Anyway, so I was part of a, a service fraternity, and service fraternities were essentially where, where losers went because that didn't belong to the Greek ones, but 
I would go to that, and, and I would same thing. I would start sweating, and I would leave, and my friends would notice it, and so, so I let it get in my head so much that my choice of graduate school was determined by it. I chose to attend the most remote four-year university in the United States, the University of Alaska. My thought process was, well, if I'm in cold weather, I'll be less likely to sweat, right? Well. Yeah, but most of the time you're indoors. And if anything, they're going to overcompensate by putting on the heater. The logic was specious, but it kind of worked. And even more strangely, when I went up there, I was a teaching assistant. So this is some advice for any of you who are minorities. Apply for graduate school in a state that has very little minorities. So I don't look what people would perceive to be Mexican. I'm light-skinned. But on an application, you know, Albert Luna sounds Hispanic. So I applied to Vermont. I played out in the North Dakota. You know, I didn't know anything about cold winters. I'm a Texas guy. And so I got in, and, and Alaska gave me a teaching assistantship and paid for my uh, graduate school and, and gave me a stipend for being a, a teaching assistant. So I was like, I'll go there. So I was a TA, and the role of the TA was to lecture when the professor was gone or, you know, and or to, do, to have office hours and to uh, run uh, review groups and so forth. But the funny thing was is that I, never, I didn't sweat for during those things either. But what did reemerge was my fear of speaking in class, which stemmed from my childhood obesity. Graduate school classes are either seminar in style or straight lecture. In seminar, you're expected to read the assigned books and then share. I dreaded having to speak in class. I would just look down or assiduously take notes and pray the professor wouldn't call on me for the entire 90 minutes. Yeah, seminar, you know, I didn't, well, I'll, I'll mention this when I, when I, when I went to UT. Um, the lecture classes were fine, and I did very well on those because it's just listening to some old dude talk about Russian history, which, which is what my degree was in, believe it or not. Yeah. And uh, just take notes and pass the test. So lectures were not a problem. But in Alaska, there were a couple of seminar classes where I had to I had to uh, cancel and withdraw, and the other ones I was just oh my gosh! And it was funny because one of one of the classes was uh, taught by the the professor I was TAing for, and it was weird because he saw me run review groups and lecture, and I didn't have a problem. But I guess maybe around my peers, I had I had problems, and so I was just honest with him, and I think he. He didn't call me that much, and that's how I was able to get the credit for that class. Later, I made it, managed to gain admission to the University of Texas at Austin, the PhD program. They actually had the second best Latin American history program in the country behind Yale. Yeah, I know, you're like, what? History? Latin American history? Yeah, well, my, my first passion, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, was history and geography. And so, oh, this is like another side story. My father and I used to always discuss this. He's like, Albert. You need to get a degree in something that you c- can make money, get a get a career, a, a job, a trade. And I'm like, Dad, you know what you're talking about. I love geography. I'm going to get a degree in geography. You know, what the hell did I know? Youth is wasted on the young. I mentioned that in the previous podcast. So, of course, I get my degrees in stupid stuff. He wanted me to be a doctor. I agreed to be a doctor. Then I changed majors on my first day in college. Of course, he should have told me something. He should actually told me if I didn't switch back that I was going to not pay for my college, but he didn't do that. So I got a bunch of useless degrees. So he was right. So kids, millennials, major in something that gets you a job. Okay, you might like French or anthropology or psychology. Unless you want to get a PhD and become a doctor, uh, don't do it. It's a complete 
waste. It's a sham. Liberal arts colleges and universities are a total sham. This is another fight that we have in high schools because not everybody is college ready. You know, at least half the students at my high school are not going to excel in college. And as much as the do-gooders want to believe that the bad students are, they typically don't. So they might go to community college for a semester. They'll probably have to take the remedial classes because they're so bad in reading and math that they can't even get take the credit classes. And then they might last a semester or two, accrue some debt, and then drop out. So now what do you have? You have a student who has no skills with debt. Why not? Funnel them into trade schools, like a lot of countries do. They're like, they're like, you know, Tokiko, you're gifted. You're going to go to the university. You know, Iku, you're not that bright. We're going to teach you how to be a plumber. Why don't we have that here? I mean, I know why we don't, because it's contrary to kind of the American ethos. But it makes sense. It makes complete sense to have that, because a lot of the trades actually make more, make more money than the college degree. Uh, people. So, I mean, you can start your own business. You can be a heater, a plumber, a mechanic, and whatnot. So, anyway, UT Austin. The rigor of those classes were higher than those at Alaska. Surprise, surprise. All seminar classes. The sweat attacks returned, fueled by the sheer thought that I had to speak in class. It was horrible. The grad students even made snide remarks about me. They would call me Silent Al. And I'd have to leave class repeatedly, and the sweat attacks came back. So in this case, I, before class, I'd be petrified. And this is what I want to go to talk about lecture style or talk about seminar. I learned this at UT Austin that half the kids in my seminars, and mostly about 10 to 15 kids per class, they didn't even read the book. The typical thing was that the teacher would assign a book, you read it, and then you discuss its historiography or its, you know, how well it was researched and cited and so forth. So then... I'm panicking and I'm reading each book word for word, not you know just picking up the history, the when, the where, the why, and not really picking up how well the author write it. So then you would go into seminar class, and I just noticed these kids were just bullshit. They were just bullshit, and the professor would be like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right, Chance. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah." And I would be like fan- panicking because I didn't, I wouldn't notice any of the things that the kids were talking about. No, this, the adults, I guess they weren't kids. It's just, I was in my upper 20s. But I, I, my brain is really not equipped for that. I can tell you a lot of the, the where's and the when's and the what's of history, but not the why's. So I would never speak, you know. And so, you know, there were, there were comments. They'd be like, yeah, why don't we let Albert talk? Why doesn't Albert lead the discussion? Ha, ha, ha. And everyone would snicker. And I'd be like, F you. Yeah, I'd say, screw you. And I eventually dropped out of the program. Yeah, because I let I let the anxiety get to me and I felt utter shame because at that point, uh, this is before I went into becoming an x-ray tech and teaching and all the, the medical world. Um, I wanted to be a history professor and so this was my big shot. I was at a very good university and I blew it because of being overweight and not really dealing with that. So... The irony of all of it was that I was not fat. I had lost my weight five to 10 years earlier, but this is my point. Fat kids, even after they lose their fat, still carry all the insecurities they had when they were fat. It just doesn't evaporate into the ether. We are all still fat kids in a skinny person's body. People would look at skinny me and not know my history and couldn't understand I had these problems. Maybe they thought I had social anxiety disorder or something. And this is, this is crucial, and this is something that I'm going to encounter 
quite often in these confessions when I talk to people, it's like, just because you lose your weight doesn't mean that, okay, you just got to get out of bed the next day. Yeah, I'm just like everybody else. No, I mean, you're not. You're still fat. And then you have this, I don't know, I'm going to talk about it later, but there is a survivor's guilt that you feel, like, why did I lose the weight and somebody didn't? You feel that, and then you have a lot of body shaming, like you can't look at your body, or you look at all the fat rolls, or the not the, the, the skin rolls that shake and all that, but these are topics for later. After my careers in the healthcare world, I became a medical teacher and was expected to speak in class. But if you ask any of my students, they'll tell you I have no problem speaking at all. I tend to pontificate and or go on tangents about the harmful ingredients in our food. And there are a lot. You know, I am... A certified health coach, and I know a lot about food and nutrition, and you know, I would love to start a podcast on that. That's that's my next next goal, but I, I'd rather do this one first. But if you ever hire me as a health coach, I can tell you about it. The irony is that speaking in front of class is a requirement for my classes. You must present a medical article every month. I know that some students don't like this, but I instruct them that public speaking and learning how to articulate properly is crucial in being successful in life. Amen to that. And all of us have encountered people who are like, and uh. Like, you know, like, um, can you, like, um, get that, like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? It's like, get to the freaking point. Learn how to speak. So it is a little ironical to use a bad word that doesn't exist, but uh, how I hated when teachers called on me and now I do it to them. But I don't, I don't do it in the way, like, oh, I was hazed when I joined the frat and I was tortured, so now I'm going to torture other people. You know, it's more like I know it's important to speak in class and said so you just read an article. It's not like you have to extemporaneously speak. It's just read an article. So it's not like it's that hard. I've yet to see a kid have a sweaty panic attack, and they know my story well enough to know that I would be sympathetic to their plight. The sweat attacks went away about 10 years ago. I mean, I do have them sometimes on occasion. Like if the room is hot, like I like I like my rooms cold. If the room is hot or if I'm a little nervous, I tend to be one of those OCD types where I like to have everything planned and in order. My friend Roy calls me the package plan because I like to have everything like prepared ahead of time. So when I go off topic, I get anxious and sometimes that leads to sweating. But in terms of being a teacher, I rarely ever sweat. And the key is that I learned that being self-conscious about it, sweating or having panic attacks made it worse for letting the anxiety flow, embracing it, and just notifying people to whom I'm talking about my history generally lessens the anxiety. So if I ever have a panic attack, the the best way to deal with it, and believe me, I'm not any type of uh, psychotherapist, but trying to suppress it and running away doesn't really make things better because, again, you're going to have to encounter it again. So it's more about if you're sweating, just be like, guys, I have a, a sweating issue and I get nervous, it's going to pass. Just try to ignore it. And then you can kind of own it. You own it and eventually it goes away. And there's, there, are, there are some naturopathic things you can do for anxiety, like you know lavender, for example, and meditation, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, my panic attacks went away during my process of understanding the why of the obesity of my formative years and addressing it. My point would be that trauma that you endured as an overweight child lingers through your adulthood unless you work on it. We eat to numb the underlying trauma that occurred to us. For us to truly heal, we must identify the trauma, name it, own it, and then develop corrective measures to alleviate us of it. 
sounds eerily similar to an exorcism. What is your name, demon? What is your name? Anyways, that's that's my bad demon impersonation. Yeah, so, and I'm going to talk about this later on. So food was the escape for me. I was a binge eater. Uh, Some people, it's alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling. For me, it was food because you're not dealing with the underlying trauma. And so the body's got to manifest it in one way or another. So it could be as weird and deviant as eating your hair, pica, uh, onychophagia. I mean, if you watch that My Strange Addiction show, there's a lot of weird things that people do. Eat foam. So we all have our, our issues. So you know, trauma happens to a lot of us when we're young. You know, either it's we see somebody die or sexual abuse or physical abuse or something that throws us off. And so we don't know how to deal with it. So we, we turn to ex- external factors like food. And so with me, it was food. So that is the end of confession number three, the invisible student. Please, I would like for you to comment on this. So if you can go to the website, Integra Vita. Dot com and find episode three, confession number three, and post some comments. I'd appreciate that if there's any stories that you like to relate about speaking in public or about having panic attacks, that'd be great. And as always, I am looking forward to interviewing you guys. So if you ever want to be interviewed and you feel comfortable enough to be to talk about your issues, and it's not going to be like Gestapo light in your face in a dark room, but where were you on October 24th? just going to be like, hey, what's going on? Very laid back, very chilled. Um, Just reach out and contact me, and we can do it that way. So uh, that's all I have to say today. Uh, Today was a relatively short confession. The next couple ones are going to be pretty good, and uh, they're going to be kind of funny. I'm trying to to make them a little funnier because I I don't want it to be like the, the pity party because there's really no reason to have pity party, partly because I have lost the weight. But again, what's the point of being a victim? Victim status doesn't get you anything. You gotta, you gotta be a survivor and then a thriver. So I try to write these these blogs, just kind of matter of fact. This is what happened to me, and the next three or four are pretty bad because we start talking about gym class, and some of the sadistic sobs I had at my school. So, if you like my show, please subscribe, and if you could rate me, or whatever whatever it's called, if you can go in and put a couple stars for me. Uh, I would appreciate it. I would like to get this show to get a little more uh, publicity because, again, 70% of Americans are overweight and there are a lot of overweight people and maybe some of them want to share their story. And, again, I'll interview you if you're overweight or if you're not overweight. It really doesn't matter. I just want people who were overweight as a kid because I want to reach out and talk to other people and uh, just commiserate together and just shoot the S-H-I-T about it. So... Go to iTunes or however you're subscribing. I don't have a Droid, so I don't even know how. What's the equivalent of iTunes on those phones? But just give me a rating. Just rate me. Five stars, you're awesome, Gregory. Though I think your first initial is kind of funny. Or you can be like, your podcast is horrible and your music sounds like I'm at a rave. Put whatever you want, but just post something. And then go to my website, And again, if you're interested in having a health coach, hire me, reach out to me. I'm here to help you. So that's all I have to say. Sleep well. Drink some black tea or unflavored coffee. 
or black coffee. Eat a lot of avocados. Just love yourself. Because how do you expect others to love you if you can't even love yourself? God bless. Take care. Yeah.